Hello and welcome to episode 52 of the Mental Health Gaming Podcast. I'm Brad, I'm joined by Stu. Nothing special today, so how are you doing Stu? I'm thinking about being 52, which isn't my age, it's the number of podcasts we've done, which mm. you just said. So uh, yeah, it's pretty exciting in a way. It's a whole year and we haven't missed a week, so that's good. Not sure about whether that's good for the listeners, but yeah. I've enjoyed it so far. No, that's impressive. Actually, you, you've made it to 52. I'm technically only on 51. That's right. You skived off one week. I know. It's my podcast and I'm the one who's done least. There you go. Disgraceful. Well, think I'll think of some sort of punishment for you. You'll make me come back next week. <laughs> yeah, you'll, you'll just have to listen to me talk. That's punishment enough. Um. So, because this is the Mental Health Gaming Podcast, and because my ADHD is well known, you wouldn't believe the amount of planning that's gone into this episode. As in, none. Because it only occurred to me this morning that it was episode 52, and thus it had been a year. So what we'll do, we'll start off as normal, and we will talk about what we've been playing. So, Stu, as usual, we're not going to do it any differently as a treat. You can go first. Cool. So... The first thing and the least exciting, but still quite interesting. Is it Dead Cells? No. (laughs) I'm glad you mentioned that because I wasn't even going to mention Dead Cells and I should. So the first one is going to be Dead Cells. And it's that I completed it the other day. So, yay. (laughs) Well done. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, obviously after you complete it, there's still plenty you can do and you can go back into it. And I'll I'll re-engage with it at some point, but I've given myself a break because it was 25 hours in or something. So, yeah, I don't know. I had this mental block early on and I probably wasn't playing it as well as I could. And I certainly wasn't sort of min-maxing stuff. I was more happy just playing around and, yeah, ignored shields completely, which might have been a mistake and stuff like that. But... In the end, yeah, I did it, and I defeated the castle and the last boss uh, in one go. Yeah, like, well, obviously I did, because this is a roguelike, so you have to do it in one go. Yeah. But what I mean is, the very first time I got to the final boss, I beat him um, straight away. So I was pretty chuffed for that. And, uh, yeah, there we are. So that's on the it's on the back shelf now, but, God, that's a great game. I loved every minute of that. Yeah, I, I, I loved my time with it. Um, I, I still don't know if it's one I'll ever want to go back to, but yeah, I absolutely loved my time with it. I didn't actually complete it, though, so I, that's a thing with me and completing games. I generally don't complete games. I get to a point where I'm like, yeah, I'm done with this now. Well, if you remember like, a few weeks ago when we were talking about it and you said, yeah, when I was really struggling, you said, oh, you know, some, some things just aren't for you and, and that's fine. Yeah, and I was like, "Yeah, they, that's right." But I'm gonna kick this thing's ass. Uh, so I did. Yeah. <laughs> there was no way I was giving up at no. all. But yeah, it's it's the sort of game that um, I, I think with roguelites, particularly because the levels aren't beautifully designed. I mean, the backgrounds are nice, um, but because the systems have to fit, no matter how it reconfigures, and they're this tile system that we've talked about lots of times. You're not like, oh, I really want to go back to that snow level where you, you know, do this, this, and this. <clears throat> or when that rain suddenly starts when a boss appears. There's no like little flourishes like that in very many roguelikes because, you know, they have to repeat themselves over and over. So, like I mentioned on a, on after the forum that we're on, it's not like Strider. You know, it's not like, oh my god, seeing the next thing. Mm. It's like once you've seen that baddie, that's the only kind of new kind of thing that and that new level uh, and then it endlessly reconfigures so yeah going back to them is like well I'd rather probably move on to a different roguelike rather than re-engage with that but uh, yeah no it's it's great it's a really great game yeah no 100% but yeah no I, I, anyone who's not played it I do recommend giving that a go um, uh, I think you can pick it up for generally about 15 quid and it's definitely worth that yes it is it is I enjoyed it as much, if not more, than Hades. Probably as much. I'm not saying it's as good, but I enjoyed it as much, I'd say. Yeah, no, I can see where you're coming from with that. I, I think Hades, for me, is still at the very top, top level for me in terms of enjoyment of roguelites. Actually, yeah. Hades still sits second because um, it kind of linked in and talking about going back and replaying roguelites, I went back and started playing the Binding of Isaac again. 
and boy do I love that game. Cool. Again, it's another one I've never completed, but that for me has never been the point of a roguelite. Um, I, I look at them as something that are just it's fun to go and do, and if you get far one in one run, that's great. You know, it's the equivalent, I suppose, of doing like the daily like crossword in like one of the posh papers or something like that, where you'll yeah, do it yeah. because it's there soon. If you complete it, great. If you don't, no, you do the next one. And that's that's what roguelikes are for me. So I went back and started playing Binding of Isaac, um, and it's the first time I've played it for a good six, seven months, I think, maybe maybe a little bit longer. Um, and there's definitely been things like Hades and that out in, in since I last played it. Um, and so I went back and went, oh, after playing a few others, how does it actually hold up? And it is still the king. It is absolutely spectacular. The simplicity of it, where... Obviously, you can move pretty much in any direction, and it's like almost 360 uh, degrees of movement. But shooting is only sort of like up, down, left, and right. And it's like that balance shouldn't work, but it does. And that's so it keeps it really simple. And whereas a lot of roguelikes claim, oh, everyone's going to be different because there's all these different things. Even Dead Cells, to a degree, was guilty of this, where you got runs and they felt a little bit samey. Yeah. Because you got a loadout that you liked. Binding of Isaac, unless you enter in a seed to get that same that same um, run again, I, I've honestly not had two runs on that that have been identical or even close to identical. And it absolutely yeah. nailed it. And it's one that is probably the one that I will keep going back to, and Spelunky when that comes out again. But yeah, been playing a a, a, a good amount of um, Binding of Isaac again in preparation for Repentance coming out in March. I never really took to Binding of Isaac. I'm not sure why. It might have been the angle of shooting it, and, and partly that, and partly because it's it's a really ugly game, and I, I find it very ugly to look at, but. Um, it's yeah. interesting actually there's an interview I don't know if you've seen the um, No Clip documentary um, no. interview with Ed McMillans and he talks about that there was a lot of pressure on him to go look this looks really good I've identified as a really good game have you thought about changing the, the tone of it and the, the visuals of it and he explained why he kept it in and it's a lot to do with his childhood and stuff like that and, and his memories and yeah. mental health and uh, all things like that and it's a really interesting insight as to he forwent earning more money to keep his artistic vision going uh, which I think is absolutely crack him i think it's really good of him to to do that and again it's not a game for everyone so i get some people will be put off by the visual style the themes and even the mechanics of it but the main reason i brought it up was i actually never realized edward milland made well he's obviously i know he's made other games like meat boy and things like that the end is nigh and the whole bunch of like shorter games what i didn't realize is he made a game in my favorite genre and that is puzzle games and it's taking a character from Isaac, and it's called The Legend of Bumbo. Um, and that's a sort of match three style dungeon crawl roguelike. And whilst it doesn't hold a candle to Isaac in any way, shape or form, it's a really, really good time waster. Um, it's kind of got this cut out paper craft style aesthetic to it, but somehow still retains that look of Isaac. Yeah. And basically, yeah, it's like a roguelike. You match free to do damage to enemies, to defend against them in certain ways. And you get various upgrades you can go along the line. It's not the best of genre as a puzzle or a roguelike, but yeah, a really good time waster that I've got for, um, I think, part of Play Pass on uh, Android. But yeah, if you're a fan of Isaac, you're a fan of, of Ed McMillan, definitely check that one out. Nice. Yeah, and then my second one was... It's a, a game that uh, is available on a streaming service. Sorry, that was nastily said. <laughs> I'm really tired. I, uh, I had to get up really early, and the night before, I didn't sleep very well. So I'm a bit hazy. It happens. I'll probably, yeah, I'll probably cut this bit. But anyway, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> okay. So, yeah, no, I was playing Pro Evolution Soccer 2021, which is on Game Pass. Because yeah. I was like, oh god, I haven't played a sports game for ages. The last one I played was NBA 2021 or whatever it is. Which, you know, is, is really good, but 
it's very very technical and yeah. pro evo probably is as technical but because i know footy better I, it's easier for me yeah and also you know i've, I've played tons of pro evo in the past and what i was in what was interesting to see is even though i haven't played a pro evo game for at least 10 years which is an enormous amount of time the basic controls are the same well i say basic i mean they're not basic in the slightest but the the, the more intricate controls are the same as well and they've added more intricacy on top of it but it's nice to see that that core stuff uh, is is in there still but what, what what I really liked is that they've sorted out, or to a large degree, jostling. Uh, because the thing that they never got right in the past was tackling. Yeah. Because you either had to like run up and hope that the ball would clatter into you and you'd gain possession, or you had to do a slide and you practically like seventy percent of the time you get yellow carded for it or even red carded. So what I was pleased to see was that you can get into position, jostle and jockey and you have a, a better than even chance of taking the ball off them which just adds so much more to the whole tactical front of it uh so yeah i really enjoyed that i mean i won't play it a lot because you either need you, you really kind of need to play online in which case you do to say it again need to min max uh or you need to play with a friend and i don't have any friends or play it so yeah I, I probably won't play it a lot but i really enjoyed sticking on master league for a bit taking Norwich forward because for some bizarre reason I always pick Norwich even though I've got no li- no real links to it uh, and yeah I had a good blast with it yeah no it's, it's interesting uh, the way people look at sports games I really I, I can't play the most recent NHL games FIFA Pro Evo because I understand ice hockey I understand football um, so the little nuances that are missing from those games just really infuriate me uh, especially in ice hockey but because I know the nuances of hockey and I understand the tactical aspect of ice hockey, that not being in the NHL games really frustrates me. And it's the same when it comes to FIFA and Pro Evo. The little nuances such as the midfield battles or why you'd knock the ball around the back from retaining possession for a bit and stuff like that are gone from those games. Whereas the NBA games and the baseball games, I absolutely adore because I don't have an inner knowledge of exactly why you don't just run to the basket and try and put it in the basket. Why you would spend time moving it between those, these two players to work it to here and stuff like that. I understand that there's a reason for that, but I don't understand the absolute nuances. So I prefer those. Um, and I think that's the thing with sports games and why I'd love to see a return to more arcade games as well, because either you've got to get it spot on or you just remove it completely. Yeah. That... And I think you're, you're seeing that with football. You get football... But you're not a massive fan of football, I assume, are you? Well, I'm not anymore, but I used no. to be, so I I know the nuances. But I, it's a good point. I, I, I With sports sims, I think it's like the uncanny valley. So, like, you know, if it's nothing like footy but it's fun, that's fine. If it's a perfect simulation, that's fine. But just before that, if it's almost perfect but misses quite a lot of the nuances, like you said, then you can really plummet down into it and it's a real problem so i get that yeah yeah it's why i enjoyed handball that could be the worst representation of a sport that has ever been put onto like digital format but i enjoyed the buggery out of it because i don't know how to play handball i've seen it at the olympics and things like that and it looks fun but yeah i I don't understand it um so i enjoyed it yeah we definitely need more arcade sports games though for, for without a shadow of a doubt yeah. okay right indie developers someone make a 2.5d arcade kabaddi game i will buy it i won't even ask for review code i will buy it there you go i would yeah i would pay for that as well because i want to see more of that yeah. sort of stuff Transworld yeah. sports presents kabaddi 2022 there you go <laughs> Um, what else have you been playing then so two things that I'm going to mention one is I'm now about 60 hours into football manager I forgot how much of a time sink that game can be and how much time that just eats up rather than playing Liverpool I'm trying to bring Sunderland back to there uh, back to the top after they were relegated down to like the second from bottom division so that's that's my challenge I've set myself on football manager 2021 boy 
yeah, that's a time sink of a game. I, I've had games where I've looked at it, looked at my playtime, and I felt like I've been in it for ages. And I've gone, I've only done an hour. Is that it? Whereas this one, I'm looking at it, and I've, gone, I've only had this a week or so. I'm sure I've only had this two weeks, and I've done like nearly 60 hours. What's going on? Um, the only other game that does that is Tetris, but I've always known, you know, since, what's it, Champ Manager 92, I think I played originally. Oh, I've, I've lost count of how many hours I've played to that. Uh, but yeah, really, really, really good game. Um, when we're talking about getting the the little bits and understanding the nuances of, of sport, that gets it. You know, there's still a few little bits such as canned interviews and stuff like that. But on the whole, oh, yeah, it is better than playing football. Nice. The other game I've been playing is in early access and I nearly broke embargo on it. So I had to pull my coverage. <laughs> it's like, oops, should check the embargo notes. Uh-oh. Was, is Snowtopia. <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Yeah, it's a, basically it's a management sim and as I say we've done it in my in my review I in my preview sorry because it's early access as well um I've mentioned that we've we've managed cities we've managed theme parks hospitals dinosaur parks football teams farms everything this is the first time I've managed a mountain resort mm. and it's interesting it doesn't do anything particularly new doesn't do anything particularly great it plays it very safe, but in playing it safe, it actually makes a very playable game. So the concept here is you're given a, a mountain that's been started off. So you've got like a lodge and a few places for people to stay and stuff like that. And you've got you go in and you've got to build the first slope. So you first thing you do is you build um, a stair stair lift. No, that's wrong. What isn't it? Um, a ski, ski lift. lift. Yeah. Yes, Stairlift. That's a that's a that's a completely different game. Stenner Manager or whatever the Stenner. Stair I was going to say what what would we call that? Yeah, uh, that that would be just one set of stairs and I don't know. But anyway, you build a ski lift and you take that up to a top of um, a, a a mountain or wherever you need it to go, and then you build a slope down and you connect it all. And hey, you got your first thing. Then it goes as thing. The tutorial starts going, right, now you need to add some amenities in there. So, well, when they get to the top, they might want a drink. So you need to add a drink station. Um, you need to make sure that it's all maintained. So you need to add maintenance huts. All loads of kinds of things like that. So you, you go for all that. And it's a, quite an interesting tutorial. bit convoluted in places where it's awkward to see what you're doing because there's a lot of white on on, on, uh, on Snowtopia. There's a hell of a of lot course. of white. So you're like, oh, I can't quite see what's going where. And yellow's on white for some of the markers. And you're like, is that, have I selected that? I don't know. I could have done. So there's a few little things that need ironing out in early access. It needs better um, tutorials for certain aspects. Because I got to a point where I built a slope. And it said, oh, this this is a, I've managed to build a blue slope. Um, like, which is, um like the second one up from a beginner and then it went oh you now need to build a, a blue slope well, i've already done that oh and you need to build a green slope so okay so the area where i've just built this i've now got to knock this down to then build a beginner slope to go somewhere else and build a slightly more experienced slope it's like ugh. right you need to actually onboard that a bit better than what you have um you know but you there's not much punishment for knocking stuff down and going again it's quite a lot of freedom with that which is really good whereas i've played other games where if you don't do what it wants or you deviate you, you've buggered it up completely because all your finances are gone and, and stuff like that yeah yeah but it's building up and it's building up um i've played a good few hours of it and i'll i'll set it by the wayside for a little bit now um and come back to it when there's another major update but yeah really really safe but interesting city uh, city management uh, sorry management simulator very cool very cool well the last one that i uh been playing this week is uh, by far the best and that's um ghost runner and it's just it's one of those that completely consumes my mind and brain you know there's some games that just completely click with you and it's been one of them and uh yeah it's, it's just fantastic so it's like a bit like mirror's edge in that it's a first person platform game but there's much more emphasis on the action uh so you've got like a katana it's a cyberpunk type situation not the game but genre and yeah kind of kind of like if you think of like the original ninja gaiden and 
things like that, the Ninja and a bit of Shinobi, like run and slash type games. Um, it's kind of like that, but in first person and loads of wall running and dashing and blinking like you do in Dishonored. Uh, it's just, oh, I just love it. It's just one of those that it's it's a real Marmite situation because it's one hit kill. So one hit from you kills them, one hit from them kills you. So it instantly restarts, but obviously, you know, there's, it's very repetitive because of that, mm. especially when you're finding your feet. But it just looks amazing. And the satisfaction you get when you complete like a course running around the environment, oh, this is so good. So, it, oh yeah, to- totally love it. It looks like, it's one of those games <clears throat> that looks like, the only I can describe it as a ballet of violence. Yeah, completely. It is incredibly violent and uh, unreconstructed. And yeah, it's just it's amazing. Yeah, it's on, it's it's on just... my list to play. I've got it installed and it's ready to go. I've just not had the time yet with other stuff to sit down and play it. But that's one I'm going to sit down for my own enjoyment and play. Yeah, I mean, you, you'll you know pretty quickly whether it's for you or not. Uh, I can imagine mo- a lot of people will bounce off it. I Even I got the demo first before I bought it. And uh, yeah, and it was for me. Well, I, I've got it I've got it on my, my, my subscription service, StuPass. Indeed. So I, it's, 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 no, it's no risk. Um, it, it's, it's Oh, no, just to clarify, I'm not just stealing off Stu. He gets Brad Pass on Steam as well because we made use of of that to share some games which is really good um a lot of indie games yeah a lot of indie games yeah you you seem to have (laughs) a few more triple a games than i have um but you still got a lot of indie games oh yeah yeah yeah. but yeah mine 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 looks like um yeah it's if they was ever going to do a documentary on lost indie games they can just come and look at my uh my steam list yeah it's like a museum (laughs) it's like yeah i think i've got like 1300 games on there and i'd say 12 and a half hundred of them are uh, indie. Yeah, I think like ninety percent of mine are like what you'd call double A games. I think. Yeah, people have heard of your yeah. games. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yep. Where there's, there's four. <laughs> yeah. The rather difference. than the four of us who've heard of half of mine. Yeah, there's like you and the developer. Yeah. Are the only people who know I it know. exists. And I will continue to beat that drum. In saying that, actually, before before we move on, because I'm gonna throw I'm gonna throw something at you in a minute. Um, put you on the spot. Oh, lucky me. I'm planning on doing a video soon actually talking of indie games. There seems to be a little bit of a resurgence on casual uh, simulator games. And when I say that, it's things like Session and Skater XL and BMX the game where there doesn't seem to be a gamification of it. It's just, hey, look, we've made a skateboard simulator or BMX simulator. Go have at it. And I've been playing a few of those. So I'm going to do a little bit of a roundup of those in the next couple of weeks. Cool. But to throw you um, under the bus, in a way, we've been going for a year. Um, but this is this is the extent of plan. I planned this while you were talking before as well. I went, oh, well, this is a good idea. <laughs> um, we've been going for the best part of a year. What, for you, is the best game that you've had to cover for mental health gaming since you started on the podcast that you've been given to cover? By quite a significant margin, it's Paper Beast, mm. which is one of my games of all time already. It's just amazing. It's it's not really like anything else. And, you know, the fact that it's in VR just genuinely does add, like, a completely new dimension to it. I won't go on about the gameplay because you can see my coverage on the site. But, yes, absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, is sort of... Uh, a really emotional experience as well as a, a really good game you know ludo style experience as well so yeah just wonderful yeah no it's i've still not played it and it's one that i keep wanting to play um, i don't know why i've not got around to playing it yet well i know that you said how much you love it um, i think it was the fact that it was a vr game at first and i know you can play it without vr and part of me keeps going uh the effort I've got to put into playing this. I realise that I haven't actually got to put the effort into playing it because it's not in VR anymore. Um, (laughs) So I will rectify that. By the time we get to 104, I will have rectified that. (laughs) Well, I'd be interested to see see what you say about it in in non-VR because I have my thoughts about how it will turn out. But Mm. uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be interested to see what you think of it. Yeah. So on my side with this, because I, I, it's a really difficult one for me because, again, the amount of indies I've played. Um, so I've I, I got it down to two. 
And the reason I've got this down to two is because I still hope we get the the crossover that I dream of for this in some way. Um, I and know that where is... you're going with this one. <laughs> Go on, what do you think? Go on. So, Lonely Mountains Downhill. And? Uh, the Art of Rally. Well done. 100% spot on. <laughs> um, absolutely love both games. Um, Lonely Mountains Downhill is... It's, a, it's, un- it's very difficult to describe because it is both the most relaxing game you will ever play whilst also being the most infuriating. Um, it's like, imagine if Dark Souls was used as a way of meditation. Um, that's what Lonely Mountains Downhill is because you get some parts of that where it's just so infuriating and almost controller-throwing that you just you don't understand how it's relaxing but there's no soundtrack apart from natural sounds and it's just you just lose yourself to it yeah art of rally takes the concept of rally and just basically goes look we called it art of rally for a reason and it nails absolutely everything they've both got a similar aesthetic style uh, and yeah, I just want to see them merge together. But two, just two games that I absolutely fell in love with across the last year. Um, and I, could, I mean, I could make an endless list of great games that we can play, but yeah, just those two. Every time I look back, I go, these are the ones that stand out for me. Neither are the best games of the year, um, but both of them are two that have just really stuck with me. Fantastic. Yeah, no, I mean, I found Art of Rally too hard. Like, the skill seeking for me was too high, but that's on me. But it, it's a lovely-looking game, and I can imagine if you're skilled enough to do it, then, yeah, definitely a great one. And, yeah, Lonely Mountains, I've not played that yet, but it's, it's kind of on my list, you know. I, I want to pick it up at some point, definitely. Well, you can, you can get it on Brad Pass. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> of course Silly I can. Me. Silly me. um yeah so that that uh, but yeah i'd love to hear your opinion on that one day because it is i i I absolutely love it and again i know for someone who's quite a pessimist when it comes to things in life my love of games is one that's never been hit by pessimism um yeah you know i still look for excuses to find goodness in even the worst games apart from sonic 4 sonic 4 can just go and die in a fire because that was the worst game ever and I will argue that to anybody. <laughs> Fair play. So anyway, moving on. A um, couple of bits we're going to talk about um, on the mental health section. One of them's slightly political, I suppose. Um, and we'll start off with that before we get to a feel-good ending. Ninja, in an interview with, I believe, the New York Times recently... Um, for anyone who doesn't know Ninja is he's the guy who's really good at Fortnite and has become a massive personality and he gets paid stupid money just to appear on stuff now anyway he done an interview with the New York Times and they brought up various things about his refusal to play with women in the past and then spoke to him about the, the kids and everything who watch him and like the, the racism and that that they spout on his chat and he turned around and said it's not up to me it should be up to the parents to parent their children I shouldn't be teaching them about racism and white privilege and it's kind of gone down really badly and across social media and various commentators and stuff like that and i don't know if this is a hot take but i somewhat agree with what he's saying just not in the way he's saying it um Now, I don't think it is up to him to teach his viewers or, or or anything about white privilege, about racism. But he seems to be saying that in a way that he shouldn't be stopping what he's doing and giving them a lesson. I, I totally agree with that. It's not up to him to do streams based around, hey kids, this is white privilege, and hey kids, this is what you shouldn't be saying. I, I get that. He shouldn't be doing that. But he is a role model to millions and what he should be doing is denouncing it every time he sees it. Um, okay, not every time because it's a constant stream. But what he should be doing is within those streams, he's just announcing, look, I'm, I'm, I'm picking up on what you're all saying in the streams. If the racism continues, I will shut it down. I will shut down the chat. I will shut down the stream. I will turn this stream off. Um, you know, and it's it doesn't need him to give them lessons, but it 
does need him to go, no, I'm not doing it. This We stop now. Yeah. And that's what he needs to do. He's right, though, because parents do need to parent. And if a lot of these parents probably realise what their kids are saying just for, an, um, just for a reaction, I'm willing to bet most would be horrified. Not all of them, of course. But most would be horrified and would possibly sit their kids down and, and talk to them about it. But a lot of parents aren't aware of what their kids are saying on, on chats. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a weird one. He seems to be getting a lot of flack for saying that parents should be taking more control here. And I say, I'm not against what he's saying. Just he kind of went about it in the wrong way, which is the, oh, but, but you know, I just always think they're trolling me. And it's, you know, it's, it's me they're trying to get a reaction from. It's like, no, no, it's not about you. You're right in what you're saying in terms of, you know, parents have got to do more, but you're a personality. You're you're an influencer, for, for want of a better word, and you're a role model to these kids. You may not want to say this stuff. You may not want to maybe put your, your millions or billions of dollars at risk that you're earning now, but as a role model, you've got to take a stand. And yeah, it's, 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 it's a tough one. I think he's getting a lot of um, abuse for the wrong things um, of of this one of late. But what do you make of all this? Yeah, that's very interesting. I think you're right in that under, the underlying point, I think he's possibly got a grip on, but the path taken to get to the underlying point is poorly plotted. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, I don't think he's quite understood the gravitas and the importance of all of this. And that's really unusual. I, it's probably because, like, if you just going back to footy, if you think about footballers who are who, who playing the Premier League, most of them are, you know, fair, fair to say, not all of them, most of them, dumb as bricks. But they are, you know, coached by marketing guys yeah. on what to say and when to say it. And what they steer them towards is don't say anything, you know, bad, obviously, but don't say anything good unless you're going to do something about it. And so they get ahead of it by going, right, well, we'll have a publicity day where, you know, you go out and help underprivileged kids or you start up a charity that, you know, supports schools or, you know, to eliminate racism and things like this. And you get the odd one, like Marcus Ras Rashford, who breaks the mould and doesn't care and does something good. But they are the exception because they're quite well streamlined into behaving in a certain way and approaching things in a certain yeah. way. But Ninja sits in a funny space of YouTube personalities where he is sort of like neutral good to use the Dungeons and Dragons meme thing. He's like, he's okay. He's a fine enough you know, person from what I understand, but he's neutral. So he doesn't do anything bad, but he doesn't denounce anything either. Now, yeah. he can make an argument that that's, that's him. But the thing is, he can't... When, when, he's, when you've reached a certain level of fame, you can't just be you, because you are you and your fans. So you represent them. And it always, it always it reminds me of... And I didn't even know about this till quite recently, but um, the punk-ish band Sham69 were very much like working class and they came along in the 80s they're a little bit later than real punk in inverted commas they they came along a bit later but they were still punkish but the national front adopted them and they as a band were totally opposed to it but every gig they did was swamped with national front and in the end the lead singer disbanded the band because he could not get rid of them and he would stop gigs all the time to say you're not cool this isn't cool we're not part of this but they were part of it and they they insinuated themselves into the band and the band's character to the public you know in public view to the point where they couldn't exist anymore now i think today you could approach that differently and that's what ninja should be doing he has to recognize that he is not just him he is his fans because when you watch something of his you're not just seeing him, you're seeing all the people talking at the same time. 
So he has to, in my opinion, recognise that, and that's where his responsibility lies. So what he should do with that is up for debate, but yeah. he should be recognising it. Yeah, it feels to me like, I don't want to say he's too scared of losing the bottom line and losing his income, um, but he's very much towing that that line, that not right-wingers, but definitely the centrists use, which is, well, yeah, no, they are wrong in what they say, but, you know, they've got to be allowed to have their say, and it's not up to me to stop them saying it. Uh, that's kind of the view he's taking, um now what i think the people who say that kind of stuff are then hearing is well ninja thinks it's okay so i'll continue saying it yeah i'll continue watching him i'll continue subbing to him he'll continue earning his money and i think there is a degree of well i might only earn three million this year instead of seven million or, or or whatever it is um to that and i don't blame him for that to a degree because he is a young man um, he's still in his 20s, I think. Um, and he's got more money than he knows what to do with, I'd imagine. So he's not had to go through like the struggles or anything like that. So, I mean, he's, white privilege is there for him. And it shouldn't be up to him to solve white privilege or solve racism. No one's saying that. But he's got to start taking a stand. And I, I also appreciate on his part that... He's thinking about it. He's not just ignoring it. This is the interesting part about the comment. He is thinking about it. I just don't think he's got the capacity to to deal with it properly, in which case he should get help for people to help him learn how to deal with this yeah. um, rather than spouting his opinions. Because if he continues spouting the opinions like he is, of which I said I agree with the sentiment, just not how he's got there, you know, everyone agrees that world peace is a good thing and no more wars is a good thing. But if we got there by totally obliterating the human race, most people might agree that's not the way to go about it. Um, yeah. And <laughs> so, yeah, he's got to have someone who thinks about that. And I get that will play on him. And here's the thing where I sympathise with personalities. Everything they say is put under a microscope. Um, we've just been guilty of that by putting him under a microscope for this little segment. Um, and to wrestle with that on a, on a uh, let's not say daily basis, let's say on a weekly basis, where you've got to be careful what you say because you could be dealing with an absolute shitstorm after that. That's not a good place to be mentally. Um uh, one of the things we we advocate is being able to speak openly about things, but then certain people having to be told, actually, no, you can't speak that openly. It's it, it's not a good place to be mentally, um, and I hope he doesn't get overly vilified for it. I hope people take the the decent road with him and just try and explain to him why why this is wrong, why his opinion there was set out in the wrong way and how to address it rather than completely vilifying him. Because I hate to see him absolutely destroyed for what he's what for for what he said. Um because that just teaches no one anything. Because if he gets absolutely destroyed for it, one, you can destroy him mentally. And two, the right wing fans that he has will use that as an excuse to uprise even further that we're shutting down um, their one of their figures. Even though he's not, mm. uh, they see him as a figure, and him being shut down, it gives them a reason to rise. And if that happens based on that, again, or just on a personal level for him mentally, that could absolutely destroy him. And let's not forget, just because he has got up-team riches does not mean he's not vulnerable at the same time. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think what they're coming off now as well, what, what's interesting to know, obviously a, a, a lot of these personalities are... I think they're coming off four years where they are their popularity, popularity has grown in that time frame where they've watched the most powerful person in the world say what he wants, how he wants, about anything he wants with no consequence. Uh, now, that's not to say consequences aren't coming to him, hopefully now, but for four years they've watched him do what he wants with no consequence. And 
that has to have an effect on, well, I'm popular, I'm famous, I can say what I want. And I think what's going to start hitting them hard now is that's going to change because I think we'll start seeing more media types, especially holding people to account a lot more. And I think a few of these um, personalities, especially in the, on, in the YouTube scene and the influencers, I think are in for a little bit of a rude awakening. So it's up to them now maybe to foresee that and get ahead of it rather than have to react to it. Uh, again, this is not an attack on them. This is for their own personal mental health because I think what will happen if they don't get ahead of it and get a grip on things then what comes their way is just going to destroy them. But it's an interesting, it's an interesting one to see what happens in the over the next couple of years. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of like you know when you when you take the uh, when you take the money, you take the accountability. So you, you can be kind of a bit lawless and wild west and be a bit like Logan Paul or PewDiePie who are complete idiots, mm-hmm. but they're significant. This uh, still substantially independent enough that they can still say what they like and make money but once you take that corporate cash um like ninja has because he he's got branded peripherals and stuff hasn't he like mice and stuff like that you know and he gets sponsored and so once you take that money then you've got then you're on the radar and you are going to show up in the old-fashioned as it were press not just on you know forums and the internet you're going to start hitting the mainstream yeah. and the minute you start hitting the mainstream you're going to be made accountable for stuff yeah you could buy stuff in Primark so that shows how far he's come yeah, and, yeah. yeah so yeah exactly um, but yeah it'd be interesting to see what comes from that I just hope people don't just jump on him just because he's ninja um, he's, he's, a, he's, easy, he's an easy figure to to jump on a bandwagon of hate with which would be a shame he, I say he's got to learn and he's got to use this as a learning learning experience. I don't think he will, personally, but I hope he does. But hopefully people don't just use it as a jump in or jump on with him. Yes, I definitely agree with that. Yeah. He shouldn't be vilified. No. Yeah, he's one of many. Yes. Yeah. Um, but on to more positive news and another... Are they an influencer? Maybe? I don't know. And before, obviously, before we get on to this, we may miss say certain things. Um, it's because this is new um, to this particular person, and we will get better as time goes on. But Jim Sterling, also now known as James Stephanie Sterling, uh, we will probably interject between the two as we talk, made it known a few weeks ago that they were going through um, gender therapy. Um, and becoming completely non-binary, taking estrogen um, and transitioning. And it was met with decent, oh, that's good for you and and things like that with the odd bit of hate that's obviously going to come with that as well. But what Jim Stroke James has done this last week on Monday is done the very first Jimquisition uh, as James Stephanie Sterling. So, new outfit, long hair, definitely showing a more feminine look to things, and spoke openly and candidly about how, over the course of the past few weeks, they have gone out into certain situations as James rather than Jim, and the reactions they've been getting. A really lovely story, speaking about how taking some shopping in and for the first time a, a man went and asked if he if uh, if they needed help and that was really lovely and you could see and one of the things that really was good to see in, in James's face and his voice was the look of happiness pure unadulterated happiness you could see it in the eyes and in the facial expressions that they've made this step to come out in these areas and it's going probably better than they ever expected it to and looking at the reaction to the Jimquisition episode that went out you have to go through a lot of love to find the hate which is so reassuring to see and I'm so happy for for them that this has gone this way yeah, me too, what a fantastic thing to do and what leapt out of me uh, when Jim 
wore the more feminine outfit was how much more natural a fit it seemed to be. And like I, I kind of questioned why that was. And thinking about it for a while, I think it's because every subtle piece of movement, every kind of little bit of physical behaviour is slightly more relaxed. Yeah. Like, you know, it's all obviously part of their shtick, you know, that's not going to change fundamentally. That they are very excitable and, you know, kind of aggressive in a kind of cheery, strange way. But they seemed much more, like, yeah, there was much more relaxation in the stance. And it just, that immediately made it feel like they were a much more solid person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, it really cemented, you know, their characteristic. And it just felt more natural to me. Yeah, straight away. I thought that was brilliant. What what's come from it as well? I think it's all linked, really, for for them is that recently, a good few months ago, they um, still as Jim found out they had um, ADHD and was getting um, diagnosis for it and getting help with that. And I'm guessing along with that, they've been speaking to people and realizing what effects the ADHD has had and what effects it's had on the way they think about themselves and the actions they take and has used this as the catalyst for becoming themselves. Now, people come out all the time. And the reason sort of like I want to pick up on on, on Jim Sterling doing it is because of the character of Jim Sterling versus the person and his videos are divisive. There's no other way of saying it. They're divisive. And I get why a lot of people don't like watching his videos. Because he puts on this character, this enraged character. Um, which comes from a personal, po- personal place, I still believe. But he, he, he car- makes it almost cartoonish with with the hatred. Or not hatred's the wrong word. But the way he brings AAA um, developers and capitalism to task. He's very passionate about it, and he emphasises that. And because he's brash, he rubs a lot of people up the wrong way. So when he first came out as non-binary a short while ago, I was concerned that that might get um, a fair bit of abuse and really make him struggle with being able to carry on down that path. And there was some. So I remember, I remember one of the videos a few weeks ago, Jim saying, this is where you draw the line. Me coming out as non-binary is where you draw the line on my videos. With the stuff that I've said, the stuff that I've done, you draw the line at me not wanting to be known as a man anymore. It's, you know. Um, and he even was quite brash about that. But this video, this video where he showed his real self for the first time, the anger seemed to be gone. Um, he was still at the same time taking activism blizzard to task, um, jumping on the obscene weirdness that is the developers of Euro Truck Simulator deciding they are neither for nor against vaccines uh, because they want to remain centrist. He still had that, but there was less of that anger in his voice. Yeah. And again, I think a lot of that comes down to being more comfortable and I think it worked a lot better for him as well. Because you could almost hear, rather than being angry at a developer for what they put out, he just belittled it for the idiocy that it was. Um, Sure, yeah. And when he called out Bobby Kotick and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos in the final segment of it, again, it wasn't that you couldn't hear, it wasn't from the pit of his stomach hatred. It was a look, I just want to show you these people for what they are. And you could tell there was a lot more. There was a calmness over him that hasn't been there for a good number of years now. And I hope it continues. I hope, beyond all hopes, that he has found his happy place and that he can hold on to that. Because that's what that's a lot of what will help with your mental health. You can find that thing to hold on to. And you can find that place that you can go to and that makes you feel better. You will be better. You will be better. You will feel better as you push forward. It gives you something to hold on to rather than constant hatred and anger and disappointment all the time. 
also he's got a cheeky smile and wink at the end all the time which is amazing <laughs> yeah 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 I, I i really really hope for their sake that this is a turning point to towards a more happy life and uh yeah no that's great so one of the reasons I brought this up, we was going to be talking a bit about Jim Sterling's content, actually, uh, this week, possibly. And the stuff he raises and the way he, he argues against a lot of pushback with it as well. But I felt this was more important to, to speak about and definitely is. But we'll come back to this. So there will be more Jim Sterling discussion coming down the line. Um, and hopefully pre- that old previous bit, we got enough of the... Uh, the pronouns correct where possible but yeah more of that to come jim i know you don't listen but maybe you'll listen to this one because i'll tag you in the in the post good for you uh, but yeah that that's it for this week so show yeah so hopefully you've had an okay week and we'll continue to have one but we recognize it's very difficult at the moment i find it personally a bit easier as time goes on i'm sort of adapting to it of a hermit at the moment even growing the bloody shell on my back it'd been inside that much but yeah fingers crossed things are okay for you but if you're having any trouble or you just want to chat you can always join us on discord we're always there for you and we're always you know happy to integrate new people into the into the community and it's a very friendly and very supportive community so highly recommend you join that follow us on all the socials as usual access them via the website if you're not sure of the links and other than that enjoy your gaming it's a great escape take care of yourself and stay safe